0: Hey folks, I'm Meryl. I'm Monty. And welcome to m M&M Podcasts, Episode 3, The Titan's Curse. Woohoo! Woo! Okay, so we're just going to start right off the
1: bat. We're going to start with the summary. Again, if you want to skip the summary, there's probably something in the description box for you so that you can skip the summary. And if it doesn't make sense to you because it's disoriented, that's a you problem. Thank you. Alright, so one year after Talia awakens from her tree form, she, Percy, and Annabeth meet Grover at a new school where he has found two new half-blood siblings, Bianca and Nico. In the process of rescuing the siblings, they get confronted by a monster who kidnaps Annabeth and causes the hunters of Artemis to arrive for help. The hunters come with Artemis herself, who recruits Bianca as a hunter, which causes some tension between her and her brother because he feels abandoned. The hunters, Percy, Talia, Nico, and Grover go to Camp Half-Blood where they soon find out that Artemis gets kidnapped by the Titan Atlas where Annabeth is as well. A quest of five people leave, Percy, Talia, Grover, Bianca, and the lieutenant of the hunters, Zoe. The five travel on their quest and along the way, Bianca dies, which worries Percy because he promised to Nico that he would protect Bianca. The four end up at the garden in San Francisco where the Hesperides live. To save Artemis and Annabeth, when they reach there, they see Artemis is holding the sky up in Atlas's place forcibly. So while the fight with Luke and Atlas happens, Percy holds the sky in place of Artemis. After Atlas killed Zoe, who is his daughter, and Artemis honors her memory as a constellation. Talia, Percy, Annabeth, and Grover return to Mount Olympus, where Talia decides to become a hunter and takes Zoe's place as lieutenant. After Percy, Annabeth, and Grover reach Camp Half-Blood, Nico is distraught when Percy tells him that Bianca died. During this confrontation, Percy finds out Nico is the son of Hades, a son of the Big Three. Knowing that this could make him the child of the prophecy, Percy knows he has to keep the secret and only tells Annabeth and Grover. And that's the summary.
0: Great job on the summary, Moncee. Now let's get
1: into the book. Yeah, so in the beginning of the book, what happens is when they meet Grover at this new school, Percy, Talia, Grover, and Annabeth have to act nonchalant at a school dance. So you kind of see some different things here. First, you see like Percy has a little bit of an insecurity with Talia because he feels like everybody's going to Talia for answers instead of him now that she's back. And it's an interesting plot point because it goes back to Percy's longing to belong, If he wasn't the one everyone turned to for answers, then what importance did he have was kind of the way that he thought about it. It's also cool how like throughout the book, you kind of see how the leadership between the two starts to even out. So that's interesting to me. Also during this whole school dance scene, we see Percy and Annabeth and them having to dance together on the gym floor, trying to blend in. And the scene was really cute and mushy, and it was kind of funny that... Annabeth was way more chill about dancing with Percy than Percy was. Like Percy was just a nervous wreck, and he's completely flustered by her appearance, and that's really cute.
0: Yeah, she describes it as like, "Oh, she's tall now. She's taller than him now." Which I know you refuse to believe, but it's it's part of the book. It's canon. He's like, "Oh my God, she's taller than me now, and she's so pretty, and she has her long blonde hair is tumbling down her shoulder." Like he literally thinks those exact words. An awkward, flustered Percy with, like, a middle school crush is so cute. It is cute. And then we meet Nico and Bianca, who are these two half-bloods. And if you read the series, you know what Nico is like in the rest of the, the books, where he's kind of just really emo and, like, has a really, I don't care. Not I don't care, but he just has a very pessimistic acid attitude about life and the gods and, like, just anything in general. And it's so odd to see in this book that he's so cheerful and excited about his little Olympus themed card game. I think it's called Mytho Magic. It's so cute, but it's also a little sad. It's like a really bittersweet because like we know he never really fully returns to this part of himself before to this version of himself before he loses his sister. But I'm really excited to have his character in the books because he's very interesting and his personality is so complex and I love his character development. And also his attitude about life in the later se- in the in the later parts of the book is very relatable. So, and I also think
1: it's really cool how you can have an emo character, you can have a lot of angst in them, but with Nico, you know why he is the way he is and you and mm-hmm. you get to see that change, which we'll talk more about once we approach the end of this book. But yeah, I just think it's interesting how Nico's whole character is developed. I guess the way Nico sees life and the way he tries to distance himself from everyone. You see that trope in a lot of different characters, but you don't know why they are that way.
0: Unlike with Nico. Yeah, with Nico like you can just see it like happen throughout the book, which I think is a new take. Not like not like Recordings, the first person and only person to have ever done this, but I think it's a lot less common to ha to see the character like become the way that they are. Now that we've once again applauded Rick Rorden's fantastic character development, let's move on with the plot. The hunters show up to save the day because um, when Percy is trying to defend Bianca and Nico from um, this really important monster in the story called Dr. Thorne, who is a manticore. All we remember about him is that he has two eyes. No, he has <laughs> That he has two different colored. One eye is, what was it? One eye is blue? Yeah, one eye is blue,
1: one eye is brown. And that's all we really remember.
0: Yeah, and then Dr. Thorne is getting shot at by the hunters. And Annabeth jumps on him as the hunters are shooting him because he's about to attack Talia and Percy. So as Dr. Thorne falls off of the cliff and into the sea, Annabeth kind of goes with him because she's on top of him. So Annabeth disappears and Percy's like super sad. But he also like senses that Annabeth is still alive, which I think is really cool. Like she has he has like this sixth sense about her because he's in love. That's so um, cute. Yeah, they're so cute. And anyways, my point about this was that the hunters are so cool. Like they show up to save the day is so epic. And I love the idea of the hunters because they're like girls who are sick of men that stay young forever. And they go around shooting arrows at, at like monsters and just like being really epic. I guess I don't know what you call it. I guess their color is silver, and like silver is a really pretty color. Like if you're a dress all in silver, that's so cute. That's so pretty. So it's just like a bunch of hot girls with arrows shooting pe- shooting monsters and wearing silver.
1: Would you rather be an Amazon or a hunter?
0: If you had I don't to choose, know. we're our Amazons sworn off of love too. I don't think they are. Yeah. So, are like, they? The hundreds, I know, like, I have know this... they keep
1: men as slaves.
0: Kind of. <laughs> okay. Then, <laughs> then, then the Amazon. <laughs> I want the Amazons.
1: We'll we'll come back to this in the Son of Neptune episode.
0: Yeah, I would not. I would join if I wasn't like so prone to getting crushes. Like, I'm really bad at that. Like, I I have too many crushes. It's kind of embarrassing. Like, I I should stop having feelings. no you shouldn't (laughs) what I feel I know and I'm just kidding they're fun questions like fun to have but they're also like really really distracting because like you know you're just like waiting there for them to contact you or like reply to one of your texts and then like when they are in contact with you like you can't like you're just like really distracted so I don't know I think there's good and bad to both
1: One thing I've noticed is that most of the girls who do become hunters, they usually become a hunter because they were betrayed by a man or like a boy, which isn't any different. (laughs) The male species, they were betrayed by the male species. Like Zoe, she was betrayed by Hercules. Talia felt betrayed by Luke. So if boys were decent human beings, we really wouldn't need an eternal
0: girls club, as Percy calls them. Yeah, Percy's like so snarky about the hunters for like no genuine reason. Like it's only because he's mad that they take Bianca, but yes, the hunters don't like men, and Percy is a male person. And but like, can you blame them? Can you blame the hunters? No. Mm-hmm. Bianca will literally have the time of her life with the hunters, and like the world has enough misogyny. Let, let the hunters be misandrous, even it out a little bit. Like let them do that. Exactly. And the Amazons. Anyways, Talia and Zoe also like don't like each- Zoe. By the way, is the lieutenant of the hunters? Like she's like the leader. She's been serving for like thousands and thousands of years uh, by Artemis's side. But anyways, Talia and Zoe don't like each other. And I personally think Monsi probably would disagree. But I think it has some real sexual tension there. That's just my opinion. When I was reading, I was like, you know what? There's some gay stuff here. Um, I don't agree. Ha- Shut up. Nothing's gonna happen. <laughs> You can't say that in Pride Month, Monty. That, that's homophobic. <laughs> Not homophobic.
1: Okay, listen. It's at the end. It's always like I shouldn't have argued with you. Like when she's dying, she's like I shouldn't have argued with you. We could have been like sisters. So,
0: that's all I'm saying. Um, I think I. You know, I think she meant sister like. Very figuratively. It's, it's, uh, I'm, not mm. saying that I'm not saying that anything between Zoe and Talia is ever going to happen. Obviously, Zoe's dead, and Talia is in the Hunter at the end of the book, and she can't have romantic love. I'm just saying there was sexual tension. Okay? That's all I'm saying. There's not enough woman-loving woman, woman stuff out there, so I'm just going to take the liberty to read into it and say it has gay sexual tension. Okay? I can do whatever I want. It's pride Anyways, Bianca joins the Hunter's Um, Like, almost immediately. And I think that while it might have seemed a little bit selfish, I understand why she did it. I understand why she did it, too. I mean, she felt fed up as an older sister.
1: She was always having to take care of Nico. It was like she had no life of her own. And while in Bianca's case, she didn't really have a choice because they didn't have actual parents, I feel that even if you have actual parents... A lot of times, the oldest child is expected to be, like, a mini parent, and they're supposed to just take care of their younger siblings, to the point where it just becomes so stressful for the older siblings sometimes. And so I definitely get that Bianca needed like, an outlet.
0: Yeah, like, we're both eldest daughters, and we understand, like, the weird pressure that parents put on eldest daughters to be, like, the therapist of the the therapist of the family and to take care of the younger siblings do i do it no does monty do it yes <laughs> she is like yeah you're too, you're too young you're younger brothers seem like a lot i i i'm already dealing with enough with just the one <laughs> you just ran past i know get out yeah go away we're keeping this that was actually really good timing that was really weird Anyways, where was I going?
1: I feel, but, like, on the other side, I get it, too. Like, Nico feels abandoned. Like, his
0: only family just left him. Like, willingly left him. So, you know. Yeah. I think Bianca's, like, really, I think Bianca in her decision. Like, she doesn't have to Like, Percy spends a lot of the book being like, oh, that's kind of selfish and like thinking badly about Bianca like that. But I don't think it's fair for him to assume that because like he never had to take care of someone else. Like, he was kind of just responsible for himself and like he was like barely hanging on.
1: But with Percy, he's not completely insensitive to Bianca's decision because there's this part in the book, I don't remember where, but he does say that he understands why Bianca made the decision that she did. Because when he had to take care of Tyson, even for a little bit, he understood the pressure. So he gets where Bianca's coming from. But yeah, he does spend most of the book kind of like being like, that was selfish. You shouldn't have done it. It's one thing to think it. It's another thing to do it. Kind of Like thing.
0: at the beginning of the, yeah, like especially when she first joins, he's like, oh, so you're just going to leave. What me? is wrong, wrong with you? yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, you're just gonna leave Nico. Like he doesn't say it out loud, but he thinks it a lot. But I just think, what was I gonna say? I just think that Bianca like really realizes that Nico will like be taken care of at Camp Half Blood, and they also like she also tells Percy specifically that she wouldn't have left Nico at camp if she hadn't met him. So I think, I think she feels safer knowing that people like Percy who are very, very not selfish, very willing to like willing to risk their own lives to protect their friends and, like, chosen family of demigods. Like, she knows that because people like Percy are at the camp, Nico will be saved. And so she feels okay leaving him there and becoming a hunter. So I think her decision was, it was it was considered. Also, Grover is so starstruck at Artemis and all the hunters. And it's so cute. He's like a middle school boy with a little, with a crush, trying to follow them around and, like, help them. And he, like, camps outside of their Um, what was it? Yeah, he camps outside of their cabin. Uh, when they get to Camp Half Blood, and the hunters are in Cabin 8 with Artemis, and Grover's just outside their cabin, and Percy calls him a stalker with hooves. It's so cute.
1: (laughs) Going back to Percy, there was a scene where Apollo he comes to pick up the hunters and like Talia and Percy and everyone and take them to Camp Half Blood after Annabeth. gets kidnapped so like in the beginning of the book and Talia goes Apollo's hot
0: and Percy goes he's a sun god that's not what I meant <laughs> and Percy's so clueless yeah Talia says that's not what I mean he's just Percy's such a himbo you know like he's he's just he has I don't even know his muscles at this point because he's like 14 but <laughs> he does he's just he's just stupid he's not even you know what? he's not even a himbo he's a himbo minus the The imbo part, like, minus the having muscles part. He's just an idiot. Yeah, he's just just (laughs) clueless and oblivious.
1: Yeah. But then also, um, since Apollo comes, like, you get to see a little bit about their relationship between Apollo and Artemis, because they are twins. And he calls her, like, baby sister.
0: Because he's annoying. Yeah, Yeah,
1: but, like, I think it's kind of cute, because, like, he likes annoying her, but, like, I don't know I find the relationship kind of cute like how annoyed Artemis is at Apollo and how how much Apollo cares for Artemis because later he helps him on their quest too because he's like look gods aren't supposed to interfere directly but nobody messes with my baby sister and I was like that's that's cute that's cute twins are cute that's all
0: yeah and also um like in the action at least one version of the greek myths Artemis was actually born first and helped her mom give birth to Apollo so how's that for eldest daughter responsibility like just come out of the womb first and then help your help your mom give birth to your twin yes absolutely
1: i mean they say that like Percy Jackson and the Greek gods like there's that whole thing that Percy Jackson explains greek mythology in there he also says Artemis is older. So I think this book also acknowledges that, but Apollo just calls him baby sister to annoy her even yeah. though he's younger.
0: He's just he's just like likes to have a sense of superiority. He's like like 90% of all the male gods, he just has the ego. <laughs> anyways, everyone gets to camp half blood and then Percy has like a dream about um Annabeth and where she is. It's just so cute. He's dreaming about her. But anyways, yeah, even um,
1: Aphrodite's like, "Oh, you dream about her." <laughs>
0: Oh yeah. Later in the book when Percy meets Aphrodite, she's just like such a fangirl. girl. But we'll get to that. Anyways, um here Percy dreams about Annabeth and she he he realizes that she's like holding something up which we later find out is the sky, right? It's it's the sky, right?
1: Yeah, the literal sky. Like you're high,
0: holding up the sky. Uh, but Percy's stupid. He doesn't know anything about Greek mythology. So he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't connect the dots. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, Luke, actually, Luke is holding it first. And then when Percy's dream, Annabeth runs over and holds it for Luke because, like, he's about to die or something. Uh, and Percy, like, what Percy dreams is real. Like, it's happening in real time. It's kind of, like, she kind of just, like, gets visions of what's happening.
1: My and all
0: Yeah. Honestly, I I would hate that. I would hate going to bed, going to sleep, if I knew that, in my dreams, like, weirdest. If I was going to see my friends, like, suffering in my dreams. That's so yeah, no wonder, so bad. No
1: wonder they're all like sleep deprived.
0: Yeah, I, I'm sleep deprived because I like staying up at night because it's the only time there's no expectations. But they're sleep deprived because their dreams are horrific. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: I keep forgetting we can't curse in this. Yeah, but like Luke allows Annabeth to hold up the sky for him, and he tricks her. Yeah, and this is problematic.
0: And I just, I mean, it's problematic for a lot of reasons, but I just feel so, what's the word? Like, I just feel really uncomfortable reading about how easily Luke can just put Annabeth in danger. Like, I think rereading the series, like, I realized that, like, I feel like I remember Luke as a more sympathetic character, but rereading the series, I see that Luke, like, caused a lot of genuine suffering to people who were once his friends and, like, his chosen family. And I just don't understand how you can suddenly, like, snap a finger and just turn his back on everyone like that.
1: Yeah, and he had a he had a lot of power over Annabeth. Like the power dynamic in that relationship was terrible, because <laughs> Luke could basically do whatever he wanted to Annabeth.
0: Yeah, I think Annabeth had a little like a little bit of a crush on him, but yeah, like I think Luke and Talia were the ones who had actual feelings for each other.
1: So then, when we're back in the camp, we get a lot of perspective moments. We get a lot of ex- like an exposition as to what is going to happen in this story. So the first Persement moment is that Percy goes up to the attic because he wants to talk to the Oracle about his dream and everything that he just had. And he realizes that Annabeth kept the pink scarf that they got from the love ride two years ago in The Lightning Thief. And it's with the rest of the relics because Camp Half-Blood saves all of their souvenirs in the attic. And he says he always thought she threw it away, but knowing that she kept it, that just shows that like she cares more about their relationship than she lets Percy believe. And it also made him like way more sad because he's like, Wow, she's she's gone right now and it's it's my fault and you know. So it was was like a sad moment. Yeah.
0: Also, this is like not this is like earlier, but when Annabeth first disappears, not first disappears, but Annabeth vanishes um, down the cliffside, like her, she leaves her Yankee cat behind, like the one that should turn her, turn her invisible, and then Percy gets it. I think it's, I think it's, it's a really sad moment when he, when he like was looking at it and was like, Oh, Annabeth's gone, but yeah,
1: that's so sad. Ugh. But okay. also at the camp, um, you see a lot of the different, like, you see the influence that the hunters have on the other campers, like, for example they have a huge feud with, like, the Aphrodite Cabin for obvious reasons, right? Like, maidenhood versus love. So, like, Selena is... who Selena is basically, like, the head counselor of the Aphrodite Cabin, and they're constantly arguing with each other. And I think it's kind of funny, but, like, at the same time, I feel like they should just respect each other's choices and, like, be mature. But it's so fun, though.
0: It's <laughs> yeah, so fun to see like, that. Yeah, I agree. I think they should... I think it's funny that like Selena goes like oh so she's like um the Aphrodite Cabin doesn't usually participate in what was it capture the flag Mm -hmm. but yeah but then because but then the Aphrodite Cabin hears that oh we're fighting it's the Hunters that we're we're having a contest with they're like yeah let's go let's go we're in for it like yeah I'll show them love is worthless I love that that's so cute.
1: Also, during Capture the Flag, there's this fight between Tali and Percy, because they were on the same side, and they were, like, co-leaders, but they got into, like, a fight, and then they're, like, fighting with water and
0: fighting with electricity, and it's so... Not electricity, like, lightning.
1: Like, lightning, yeah, but, like, she gives him, like, an electric shock.
0: Well, she... The first two electric shocks that she gives him are unintentional, like, not intended to be harmful like they were just um their accidents but then percy like jousts her in water and is like yeah i didn't mean to either it's so cute oops their fight is so funny it's just it's like a nice it's very it's like gives off big family reunion vibes you know
1: yeah it's like a huge like cousin relationship like it's a very nice cousin relationship it's kind of like poseidon and zeus are fighting but like not toxic because poseidon and zeus are kind of toxic you know
0: I mean, Zeus. Yeah, Zeus is just we we don't like Zeus. We've already established this. We just don't like Zeus. He's too much power. He's too big of an ego, and he's he's too big of a misogynist.
1: Yeah. Also, during this time, there's this part where he's like, uh, Talia calls Percy seaweed brain, and Percy thinks he's like, okay, it's all right when Annabeth says it, because but for God some yeah, but, but for some reason when Talia, Talia, Talia says it,
0: it's not okay.
1: Yeah, he just goes, he gets even
0: more mad at her during this fight. And I just think that's so cute. That's another Persephone moment. He's like, it's only okay when when my, when the person I'm in love with says it. Except he doesn't know that he's in love yet. But like, honestly, connect the dots. He's so dumb.
1: Talia also has this complex of being afraid of heights, which is revealed later. Which is weird, because, you know, she's the daughter of Zeus, who's like sky, but she's afraid of heights. And I think it makes her character a little bit more realistic
0: yeah i think it's good that she has like a weakness so she just actually has like a weakness so she doesn't just seem like oh this perfect leader who is doing all the right things while percy's messing everything up which isn't true but yeah like it just kind of seems like that to at the beginning of the book and like the middle part of the book but it's good that she has like a genuine weakness and kind of a funny weakness too
1: it's kind of counterintuitive when you think about it, but it makes sense because there's also a part in like the later books where Percy's like, "I finally understand why Talia is afraid of heights. I think I'm afraid of water, especially like Son of Neptune when he was like drowning in quicksand."
0: Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll get to all of that. I love the Son of Neptune though because actually. Okay, I think the Lost here and the Center of Neptune are really interesting books because it's, like, a couple and then this third wheel. And, like, in the first book, we don't even we don't even see Percy. But in the second book, Percy's there. And Center of Neptune's Percy's there. And, like, we know his history, but, like, he has his memory wiped. We don't know. So, like, he doesn't know his own history. So, it's just, like, it's, like, a really, those two are, like, really interesting books to read.
1: Yeah, especially when you read them back. Like, the first time you read them, you're just like, what is happening?
0: <laughs> but like- to be fair, I read the Projection series in the weirdest order ever. I read up to the Battle... No, I read up to the Titan's Curse. And then I read the Mark of Athena in the second series. What? Finished, Finished that series. And then I went back here... No. Yeah, I finished up to Blood of Olympus. Came back to this series and read Battle, Labyrinth, and The Last Olympian. And then I read the Lost Heroes <laughs> of Neptune. <laughs> i don't know i just remember i found the mark of dina in like the elementary school library and i just was like you know what i'm gonna read it even though this is not even this is not the next book this is not what i should be reading chronologically i just read it
1: okay well for us chronological fans torture <laughs> chronological
0: fans back chronos to to- logical fans but uh <laughs> sh- i'm so funny
1: back to the book that we're doing this podcast on um as percy so in the beginning percy isn't chosen to go on the quest which also happened in the last book which you know just pointing that out but like so percy sneaks out and Dionysus like stops him and they have like this whole conflict and you get to learn some stuff about yeah i like
0: yeah i like this part because it shows why he's so hateful towards heroes Dionysus. I mean why he just like doesn't like the half-bloods like he just genuinely doesn't really care for them and it's nice because it gives some context and it's not just like he's just grumpy for for fun and for no actual reason he says he tells Percy that he doesn't like him and heroes in general because they're all very selfish and they use people to get what they want and I think that that's true to some degree because a lot of the heroes in the Greek myths were very morally ambiguous and while like yes they did suffer at the hands of the gods and the gods are also selfish people or well, not people they're selfish beings they also cause a lot of suffering to innocent people like the heroes themselves so obvious obviously Percy's like the exact opposite of that and that's literally his fatal flaw is that he's willing to like risk anything to save his friends and people he likes well not people who like but he's willing to do anything to save innocent lives you know mm-hmm and also here
1: you get another first moment where he, like, risks confronting and yelling at a god because Dionysus is also being a jerk about Annabeth disappearing and he's like, I don't care, who needs a rescue team? But then Percy's, like, really mad and he doesn't care that it's a god that he's confronting and he's like, I'm going to get Annabeth back.
0: And, and he yells at him. Like,
1: yeah, yeah. And Dionysus so almost so kills scared. him afterwards. Yeah, but then he's like, hmm, work, go on.
0: Yeah. Um. And then Percy is, is still like Dionysus Let's Percy go because he genuinely thinks that though someone will die, and he's like, hopefully it's you, Percy, or no, hopefully it's you, Peter Johnson.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Now we're going to move on to Hoover Dam. Dam. I think it's really cute how Talia Grover and Percy just know all of these random facts because Annabeth is always talking about them. Yeah,
0: they get to the Hoover Dam. There's like a there's like a lot that happens between, but none of it was interesting enough for us to include here. Oh wait, there was the Aphrodite thing. The what Aphrodite thing? Okay, first. Okay, oh, yeah. We'll okay, get, yeah. get to that. All right. Okay, we'll just get to that later. Okay, so um, they get to the Hoover Dam on this quest, and. Uh, Percy and Talia and Grover just start listing facts so that they know about, like the Hobbit, and they're like, "Oh, it's twenty thousand feet," or the architecture is X Y Z, and they're and then Zoe's like, "Why do you guys know all that?" And they're like, "Annabeth loves architecture." Yeah, it's I so wish cute. She was
1: here. Oh yeah. My God. And then obviously they're like so distraught. They're like, "Damn bathroom, damn!" And it's like "damn" is the most iconic thing about the series, which
0: obviously it is. Yeah. And then like they obviously mean it to be like "damn." Like I didn't think I didn't think I understood that when I first read the book because I was so confused. But like Zoe doesn't get it because she's like thousands of years old and she doesn't get like new, new like the new Slime. language. Yeah, she doesn't get slang or the new terminology, so she's so confused. And then they're just like, on the other the other three are kind of like a little high and just. <laughs> putting damn in front of everything to be funny.
1: Yeah. But also, okay, this is just, like, my own belief, but I think Annabeth knows about it. She wasn't there when it actually happened, but I think Percy told her later on, like, you know, in that little brief few months that they were dating when Percy wasn't missing, that's when he told her. But, like, Tally and Grover don't know that Annabeth knows. So it's, like, an inside joke inside an inside joke.
0: Okay, that's your own little head headcanon. Good for you. If you've ever read the books, I think you remember that Bianca died. You obviously know that Bianca dies in this book because then Nico enters into emo sad boy mood. Um but anyways, in, in the desert, Bianca is dying because she dies because she goes into the foot of this giant like um what would you call it, like a robot?
1: Yeah, like a giant robot monster and she gets a giant like, robot a monster magic yeah. statue.
0: Yeah, yeah, because she wanted the mytho magic statue um of, that Nico didn't have. Like she wanted to go get it for him. So she goes she picks it up. And then because she got that, the the robot magic monster like awakens and starts attacking them. So Bianca goes into the foot of the monster to like stop it. And she does stop it but then but then she dies. And um Percy's like super sad about that because he promised Nico that he would uh protect Bianca and um Bianca's dead now and Nico has lost his only family
1: yeah we'll talk about this more at the end though because Bianca's death affects Nico more than it affects Percy but there's also this part where Percy meets Aphrodite alone and she looks like Annabeth for a split second and I always think that after she like transforms into all of these pretty people, she just kind of settles as like this image of annabeth cleaned up. And like by cleaned up, I don't mean like makeup and glam. I just mean like her hair's combed and stuff. and then like, you know, he
0: just notices Annabeth you know, I bet per- yeah, but I bet Percy thinks Annabeth is also hot when she's like in the middle of a fight.
1: yeah, she
0: is. <laughs> like hes
1: said that several times. Oh yeah.
0: Anyways, Aphrodite is the biggest Persebeth shipper who is a god and like Zeus is right after her, I guess. I don't know. What part of what part of Zeus is right after her? I don't know. Every
1: headcanon I have read says Zeus is like the biggest Persebeth shipper. So, well, those are just
0: headcanons, I, I guess, but those are just headcanons though. I feel like I feel like it's Aphrodite and then after that it's probably like um Poseidon. <laughs> probably Poseidon, yeah. Um, not Athena though. She she has her own moment later where she like, I disapprove of your friendship with my daughter, but we'll get to that. Anyway, everyone asks when Percy comes back from meeting Aphrodite, everyone asks like what she talked about, but Brover kind of like understands like what's going on because they have an empathy link. So that just makes me wonder if well that just makes Monty wonder because she wrote this note. If one of the two of them is turned on or having sex does the, <laughs> the other one kind of feel it too. Which is a great question, Monty. Like, that's what a great question. Uh, I don't know. But I also feel like um, in this scene with Aphrodite, Aphrodite's like, you guys are so, you kids are so cute. Like, I'm going to make your love story so tragic. Like, it's not going to be easy for you. Not going to be boring. And that means Aphrodite's responsible for all the Persephone angst. So, like, I don't know if we should be happy about that or if we should be thanking her. I don't know, because the Persephone relationship technically wouldn't be what it is. Without all the, you know, memory loss moments and falling into Tartarus together and giving up immorality for each other.
1: Yeah, let's just let's just chalk it up to the fact that Rick Riordan is a troll and move on. Okay.
0: Back to the Hoover Dam, we finally meet Rachel Elizabeth Dare, the mortal be- person who later becomes the Oracle. I love her so much. I know people <laughs> like. Feel I know some people in the fandom don't, like don't like her because she gets in between Annabeth and Percy, but like she doesn't really get in between them. Like she makes a move, Percy kind of rejects her, or like or like has to go on a mission in the last Olympian. But anyways, she's so funny. Like she's hilarious. And she's so down to earth. I love her character so much. I wish we could see more of her, but that's enough gushing. Um uh, basically in this book, Rachel helps Percy get away from the skeleton mon- skeleton warriors who are chasing them. So Good for her.
1: I mean, it. I remember, like at first, I didn't like Rachel a lot because I was like,
0: "You're getting in the way of my ship."
1: But like afterwards, I was like, "She's pretty chill," you know.
0: Yeah, like she just did not push her feelings onto anyone, you know. Like she's just she's fine. Like she's respectful of the ship, and she's like, "Okay, I'm not gonna get Percy, so I'm gonna go become the Oracle."
1: Mm-hmm. Also, um, Percy does get help. Well, not just Percy, but the entire squad gets helped a little bit later. In the book by Dionysus.
0: Yeah, they're... What are they doing? They're fighting Dr. Thorne again because they found um,
1: the The monster.
0: No, they found Bessie. That's where they are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, wait. Let's explain what Bessie is first because that's kind of confusing. I don't even know what Bessie is.
1: So Bessie is basically the monster, the big monster that everyone's been looking for. The reason Artemis gets kidnapped, because she's looking for this monster. And everybody thinks it's going to be a vicious monster. But actually, Bessie is like this cute little animal. Who's Innocent per- sea creature. Cursing. Yeah, yeah. And it's Innocent- like whoever kills her mm-hmm. gets the power. So that's why she's like tempting to kill. It's a he, actually. Like the entire, the entire story, we think it's a girl. Because Percy calls
0: her Bessie and then they're like, No, it, it's a boy. <laughs> so I think in the rest of the series they still call her they still call them Bessie though. Like whoever can whoever kills Bessie gets the power to like bring down Olympus. So um essentially the Bessie is is a uh, what's it called? The sort of the O, right?
1: Uh I can't pronounce it, but it's like or or something yeah he's some, he, he,
0: they are some really confusing sea creature name but anyways um talia is like briefly tempted to sacrifice the monster because dr thorne is like egging her on because if she does that she can be the person she can be the demigod in the prophecy and she'll have the power to bring down olympus and help Kronos decide obviously and she's like a little tempted but um then Dionysus helps them fight Dr. Thorne because Percy, like, begs him to help um, in the Iris message. And Dionysus, like, makes all the mortal, or was immortal mortal? warriors, like, right? the mercenaries, and makes all the mortal people who are helping Kronos go mad, like, go insane. And then he helps, like, contain Dr. Thorne and puts him in, like, a giant grapevine cage. And I think he, like, I don't know, just dis- disintegrates 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 i can Mm -hmm. speak i know how to do english yeah we're good um anyways i think it was just a nice moment because dionysus calls percy by his real name in this part and he like kind of recognizes that percy is not the kind of hero who will selfishly yeah he will selfishly use other people to get to what he wants like he's not the he's not the kind of hero from like the like uh who's similar to the heroes. He's in not Hercules. Yeah, he's not Hercules, and he's not Theseus, right? Is that what his name was? Yeah. That hero? Mhm. Yeah, there's this hero named Theseus from the older, um, like the actual ancient Greek myths where he helps. He is helped by this like really princess nice uh,
1: uh, orange or something.
0: Yeah, princess. A Adre- I we don't know how to we don't know how to pronounce Greek names. Don't ask us. But basically, this woman is helps Theseus, and then Theseus just leaves her there. Like she just like deserts her, and then Dionysus takes um the princess in as his wife so yeah
1: we'll talk more about that in the battle of labyrinth because that's like a thing in the next book because i don't remember that oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. but also our point is
0: yeah oh oh yeah yeah but our point is percy um percy does not percy is not that kind of hero he is not selfish
1: He's he not is... like other heroes.
0: He's not like other he's heroes. He's a quirky <laughs> <laughs> He's a quirky hero. He's unique. He has he's special. He is literally the chosen one. Um, yeah. So
1: that's that and and then yeah. we go to another past moment where flash forward they meet Annabeth's father and like he helps them to, you know, rescue Annabeth. And I think it was a really nice moment because it humanizes Annabeth's family.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's really helpful because we don't only see things from Annabeth's perspective where like we see them as like um selfish people who have been making like decisions that are not that are harming Annabeth. We just see that we see them as like real people who like are living their own lives and still genuinely care a lot for Annabeth, including um her stepmom who tells Percy like if that when um he sees Annabeth to tell her that she still has a home here with them, it's so it's actually really really sweet.
1: It's very warm and heartwarming. Yeah. Also, Doctor Chase running in with his helicopter and his celestial bronze machine gun is so cool.
0: That's so cool. He looks so epic for a middle-aged man, as he as he puts it.
1: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Also, we get, like, the first moment that I was talking about is that they get their iconic gray streaks from holding up the sky. And I think, um, you know, this is something that I wish stayed forever, but it goes away in the Mark of Athena, and we'll talk about that. But for now, I just think it's really cool. It's like they're matching
0: tattoos. It's literally a, it's literally a reminder that, that they suffered, and that Annabeth was briefly tortured, and they were, they were both briefly tortured by the— way of the world in the sky but they did it together oh my god they did not do it <laughs> together annabeth Percy didn't even take it from Annabeth Percy took it from Artemis who took it from Annabeth so it wasn't even like that like them doing it for each other but okay whatever happy Percy that moment
1: Thank you also okay. the last scene um, in San Fran- in San Francisco is Zoe dying <laughs>
0: so that I is know. sad. Very sad. We love Zoe. But, okay, hold on. I really love that Zoe tells Percy in this last moment. It's somewhere on my notes, but I don't know where it went. Anyways, I really love that Percy tells Zoe. I mean, Zoe tells Percy that she is so... She's really honored that Percy's the one holding um, Hercules' sword. I think that's so sweet. And I think it's great that before Zoe died, she met someone. She met, like, a boy, like, a male hero who she knows will not portray his loved ones, you know? Or mm-hmm. anyone that helps him. I think it's just so sweet.
1: Zoe's death in general was very painful because this was the first book where we actually had main characters die and, like, it had an actual effect on the entire story. So, Bianca dying caused this whole chain of dominoes with Nico. Zoe dying was just depressing. Her becoming a constellation, even more depressing. <laughs> um, so, you know. I know, really a weird way.
0: Shows. Yeah, in a weird way, becoming a constellation is actually so sad because every time you look up at this night sky, you'll see that like the person that died, like you'll remember that that person that you love has has died.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people like they look at stars and they're like, those are my dead loved ones. You know, that's how I remember them. I
0: guess that's why we have air pollution. (laughs) because they for air pollution. to cover up the stars. Yeah, to they cover do. up all our dead ones, to cover up the bad memories.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna be talking about the environment a lot next book because,
0: because please me pants. I love pan
1: Yeah, but we'll get to that next book.
0: Oh, also during the fight, um, Percy's sword like kind of fails because of Ares' curse, which was like part of the lightning thief. When Percy beats Ares and like makes an enemy out of him, and Ares is like, ah, your sword is gonna fail. It's going to fail once. Um, so that's great. Uh, but at least Percy made it out alive and he everything was okay. He, he survived. But um, also Talia and Luke. Oh, Talia and Luke's confrontation on San Francisco. Like, not on San Francisco, but on the hill is so, like, interesting. And also very, very sad for Talia. Um, and also but-
1: very underrated as a whole. I feel like the entire series we kind of see Luke and Annabeth's relationship being like really emphasized and it's always like what did Luke did to Annabeth then like Percy feels jealous and blah 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 but like what about what about like Talia and Luke like they they are so underrated i feel like their their story just Yeah. General.
0: And also it's like made clear here that like Talia and Luke have feelings for each other and like it's made clear in this book because um there's a part where Percy asked Talia why she didn't want to be a hunter And she said it was because she would have had to leave Luke and i think it's really interesting that um, Talia is the one who genuinely tempted to join Luke and Kronos' cause. Like there's this moment where she's like really, really tempted to actually sacrifice Bessie, as we said before. And I suppose it makes sense because like Zeus hasn't like done anything for her besides turning her into a tree. And her fatal flaw is probably is definitely not going to be loyalty, like Percy's is. What is Talia's favorite flaw?
1: So I think Talia's fatal flaw would probably be like her ambition she wants to do so many things i don't know i read that on a website somewhere
0: yeah yeah i think it's ambition because she desires power according to the um rick Gordon wikipedia fan fandom mm-hmm. wikipedia page but yeah it makes sense that she wants to des- like, she desires power even though she doesn't really need it uh, i think the
1: daughter of zeus who has a shield that can terrify her enemy she's already a queen plus she's a hunter she
0: well doesn't... she becomes a hunter later like after like, I think, yeah. I think becoming a hunter helps her in her ambition, you know, because she's, like, mm-hmm. chilling and, in and, and mora- and like, essentially immorality and doesn't age at all. So, I think she's, I think becoming a hunter was a really good decision for her. Back to Talia and Luke's, um, confrontation. I think it's really, uh, interesting that Talia couldn't kill Luke. So, Talia and Luke are fighting, like, in a sword fight on the, on the, where Atlas is, like, holding out the world, um, Speaking of which, I must suck, like, to get out of that and then have to go back to doing that for, like, millennia. That sucks, but yeah, that, that just sounds painful. But yeah, Talia and Luke are fighting, and they are, um, is like, oh, you can never beat me. Just, just, like, yield already. And then Luke gets, Luke gets his sword, like, thrown off the side of the mountain or something, and Talia gets her, like, spear under his neck, and she, she almost goes up, but like, she can't do it. Like, she can't bring herself to do it. And then, she, uh, like, Luke tries to grab her spear, and she pushes him down the mountain accidentally, and I think, like, everyone thinks that Luke dies, or oh, Percy thinks that Luke dies, but Annabeth's like, no, I could sense that, um, I can sense that she didn't. And per- Percy's like, what do you mean? Like, he fell down, like, little, little like, rocks. And Annabeth's like, just, like, how you could sense about me that I didn't die when I fell off the cliff, I can sense that about him. And Percy's, like, was not happy about that comparison, which is, like, a, kind of a cute, jealous Percy moment. But yeah, I think with Luke, um, is it this moment that, I'm just asking Monty, I'm asking you, um, is it that this moment that, like, we realize not realize, but, like, is this moment, like, Luke already went to the river sticks and, like, has invincibility, right? I think that's why he didn't die.
1: Yeah, that could be the only possible explanation, but that's, like, pretty early on. I mean, it yeah, makes I sense, think, like, Nico is the one who proposes the idea, and he obviously needs time to figure out that all of this happened.
0: Mm-hmm. So I think, I think Luke goes to the River Styx, like, oh, before this to do this, and he knows that if... He knew that he was so desperate for Talia to be the one to sacrifice Bessie and, like, bring about the downfall of Olympus because he knows that if Talia doesn't agree to that, then he has to sacrifice his own body to be Cronus's, like, well, uh, human body, I guess.
1: Yeah. But, I mean, it also would make sense that, like, Luke was able to hold up the sky, too. Because, like, let's be honest, men are less powerful <laughs> uh, you can't do it percy you know annabeth could only do it because she was a queen and i'm a goddess but what do
0: you have <laughs> you can't do it but i think i don't think chronos is in Luke's but luke's body yet i think no. luke is still more yeah i think luke is still mortal it's not well he's not he's invincible and he's more he's still mortal here he's not chronos chronos hasn't entered his body yet but i think later um i think luke is so desperate like i just said for talia to join because if Talia didn't do that, then he would have to use... Cronus would have to use his body, and he didn't want to do that. Like, he didn't want to subject himself to that. But, like, he would be forced.
1: Plus, he's spending all of this time fighting against Annabeth and Grover. You know,
0: having Talia on his side would help. Like, emotionally, I guess. That's true. Anyways, um, also, the part where Zoe dies, I think it's really nice that Talia has this moment where she's like... um, you were- Zoe's like, well... Yeah, Talia's like we we write about men like I should we shouldn't have been fighting so much. I think that's really sweet because then it like it's very nice that Talia becomes the next lieutenant and like they you know are like friends and stuff. Well, would have been friends. They would have been sisters. Shut up. Okay, they really dislike each other because Zoe tried to convince Talia to join the hunters before, and like she refused because it meant that she would have had to leave Luke. So I think it's. Sad, really, really sad that Talia wakes up from being a pine tree just to find out that the boy she liked and spent, like, the best years of her life with, like, her words, are now actively fight, working against her and her friend. Like, that's just – that's depressing to think about.
1: Also, when Talia and Percy are talking about why Talia didn't want to join the Hunters, Talia's like – uh she says to Percy, she's like, and Annabeth was thinking about joining the Hunters. Just think about why. So I think at first it's, like, kind of confusing because, you know, Percy – hasn't betrayed Annabeth, he's not bad to Annabeth in any way, but I think she was talking more about Luke and, like, Annabeth's relationship with Luke more than Percy.
0: I thought that it was because that Annabeth thought Percy might eventually let her down, too, because that's how it went with Luke. Like, she had trouble trusting, I don't know, male heroes, I guess. Uh, I don't know, though, but I guess it makes more sense that it could be about Luke and how Percy should think about the next time he gets jealous and mad about Annabeth going between being her and defending Luke, but um, obviously, Percy's, like, the perfect man and, like, literally would never betray But So, that's good. That's great. And I think it's nice that Zoe gets closure about Hercules hurting her because Percy's holding Hercules, um, sore, like we said before. One more thing. We talk about, like, major character deaths in this book. But I think there's, like, such a comfort in knowing that these souls will go to the underworld. Like, they're not, like, dead, dead. Like, they are dead, but they're not, like, eliminated, wiped off the earth. They're going to go to the underworld and probably the Elysian Fields because they were like really brave heroes. And I hope Zoe and Bianca are happy there.
1: Yes, of course, Darren. they get like rebirth and everything. Yep. All right, so back to Olympus, we get to see how the gods evaluate what the heroes have done, which really they have no right to do because they just saved everyone. But yeah it's,
0: yeah, it's really annoying how ungrateful the gods are for like the heroes who are literally helping them like on their side. And they just have like no respect for that, or any like they just don't feel obligated to give them any sort of reward. And instead, they're sitting there debating about like, oh, should we kill Percy? Should we kill Talia? Should we do that?
1: That that's the reward. Death being being able to be alive. That's that's the. Reward. That's the
0: reward. But I also think it's okay. I think it's really important that they they keep them alive and like also, um, Artemis offers Talia what's it called the lieutenant position um oh, okay. in the hunters
1: like there's uh like there's internships it's huntership that's <laughs> color in my head
0: okay that's funny um where was that what was i talking about i just i can't remember my brain is uh, so Talia becomes a right lieutenant. Now. oh yeah yeah talia becomes a lieutenant i think it's nice that there's like these rewards okay artemis gives talia that you know honor position and I don't know I don't really know what person he gets I don't know I guess he gets to keep living but I think it's really important (laughs) that the gods um the Olympian gods are rewarding the heroes because it establishes that yes the gods are morally very very morally ambiguous and they do a lot of ethically questionable things and just down sometimes just downright evil thing not evil but like Lackable, yeah, questionable things, and, like, they just try, they show a lot of disregard for mortals and their, the heroes that are helping them, but at the same time, like, they are, they clear a good side because they're help. because they, in the end, they do reward the heroes, and it shows that they're different from the Titans, importantly, and also that, okay, it's also important that they spare Bessie's life, because they're about to kill them, they're about to kill the sea creature, Bessie and Percy's like no don't do it cuz you can't you can't do that that's just that's an innocent life like we can't kill an innocent person just because of not person but we can't kill an innocent being just because of the power that it might that hold that's
1: what caused
0: yeah we can't just we can't just go around doing that otherwise we're not different from the titans and the gods like understand that and they vote to not kill well they vote majority vote to not kill Bessie or Percy um so i think it's just really important to establish that yeah, it is, it is... We are supposed to be on the god side, and we're not supposed... To, we don't need to sympathize with the Titans at all.
1: Yeah, and it shows that we're not just on the god side because we're, you know... Well, not we, but, like, because the demigods are their children. Yeah, like, it's, it's... Genuinely better.
0: Yeah, like, it shows that Percy... Like, we're not just on the god side because we know, we're we we're seeing this story through Percy's perspective. Like, if we... Yeah. yeah. And also in a weird way, it's kind of like between a rock and a hard place, like gods are the lesser of the two evils like they're not i don't know they're not evil, but they're just very they're just very know. yeah they're like they're like chaotic neutral like if you on the on like the moral alignment chart, they're like chaotic neutral, and then the evil no they're like lawful neutral, and then the titans are chaotic evil, so pick yeah. one yeah. yeah.
1: But also during this time, there's like they have like music, and Mount Olympus is magical, obviously. So the they have like this big party, yeah. To be,
0: like they have music. this giant party.
1: Yeah, you you pick the music. So Annabeth and Percy kind of dance to like what they think is like a slow dance kind of, but not too slow. And they talk about their gray streaks. Well, not talk about, but like Annabeth, you know, looks at the gray streak and she's like, you know, these exist now. Percy, they have a really mature conversation.
0: Yeah, Percy asks Annabeth out to dance. He's like, I think I owe you a dance because they were interrupted at the middle school dance at Westover um, really, really early in the book. Uh, It's so cute. He's like, oh, so cute. And then um, Athena comes up to um, Percy later and she's like, I don't approve of your friendship with my daughter. And I think it was just totally unnecessary to say that. Like, calm down. Like, you just... She tells Percy right before saying that that her fatal flaw is that he would sacrifice the world to save a friend. So doesn't that mean that she'll just be, like, really loyal to Annabeth? Like, calm down.
1: Yeah. I mean, actually, she said that before. Because I remember yeah. like, when Percy was talking with Annabeth, she, Annabeth was like, what did my mom say to you? And he was like, uh eh, nothing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just that she doesn't like me. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah, yeah. I just... Yeah, it's kind of funny though. I would do agree that it's a little funny that and Athena's disapproval, disapproving of Percy.
1: Also, in page on page two hundred and two, there's like this really small moment where they're all sitting in like the you know how they sit in like the ping pong table and have like meetings there, Camp Half Blood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like. Someone was like, "Yeah, Percy saved Annabeth," and then Annabeth smiled at him gratefully,
0: and then he like
1: looked away and blushing, just like another nervous Percy
0: moment. He has uh, this book awkward Percy is so cute. I love ship dynamics where the girl is like slightly less flustered than the guy. It's just so mm-hmm. cute because we see too much of the guy being all cool and suave and like somehow knows all the right lines and all the right moves it's just nice that annabeth and percy are awkward together but annabeth is slightly less awkward (laughs)
1: let's talk about paul and sally oh my god
0: paul is in this book we see him when percy sends an iris message to Mm -hmm. uh to sally and um paul is like in the They're like the two of them are in the living room together laughing oh so cute so cute and i I love paul so much They, like, you know, Paul really treats Sally like the queen she
1: is. And I'm also really Mm -hmm. happy that Percy never had a conflict with Paul because a lot of kids obviously don't approve of their parents' other marriages, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think after, um, I think after, what's it called? I think after Sally gave, Percy was just happy. Percy was just happy that his mom had someone.
1: And now for another depressing part of the book, Nico's whole transformation So after Nico finds out that Bianca has died, it's like everything is taken away from him at the same time. He loses his sister, he loses trust in his idol Percy, he loses his happiness, and it's like, what do you do with this character now? So it was literally like taking Nico from one end of the spectrum where he's all happy and everything, throwing him to the other side of the spectrum... And it's like, okay, how does he pick up his life from here?
0: He's literally on the spectrum of being of being a little fruity, which we find out later in the book, which was such a surprise for me. But I, we'll get to, we'll get to that when we get to. Um... When I first read it, was like, it the Mark of Athena? No, 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 it's the House of Hades. Really, it was that far in. Oh God. Okay. Anyways, we'll get to we'll get to the first actual gay, like canonically gay character. Although we all had canon. That who am I head kidding? I I Percy's straight. As cool as he is, I think I'm pretty sure he's straight. I think it was pretty clear when he didn't recognize that Talia meant that the sun god Apollo was hot in a That's visual way. Yeah. It's just a straight thing to say, to be like, I don't I don't he's a sun god, <laughs> anyways. Um
1: yeah.
0: what was I saying? I had Ken in that Piper is by, or I think he I think she is she canically by. Yeah, she kissed Kenically by. And What's her name? I feel like Annabeth could be like. I feel like she could be. No, I think she could be. Yeah, she's straight. No, Annabeth is too cool to be straight. I'm sorry. Sorry, Monty. She's straight. I'm. Okay, straight people can be cool. (laughs) No, they can't. Only is the only exception. Um, Notice how Jason is definitely straight and also definitely not cool. (laughs) Okay, we're we're not getting there. We're not getting into that conversation right now. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, I'll trash Jason later in the in the series. Thank you.
1: All right, back to Bianca, back to Nico. The fact that Bianca had to, like, she was like, this is the only mythomagic statue that Nico doesn't have, and she sacrificed her life for it. And you find out it's Hades.
0: The statue is Hades. Yeah, wow. And that's also- It's the- like, mm-hmm. It's a, it's like a really, really good- um, Reveal. Reveal. Oh, and it's also why, like, when I was reading the book, I realized, like, that's why Bianca could kill the skeleton warriors, but the other people couldn't, because she's a daughter of Hades, and she has, like, that power over the dead.
1: And you also find out that Hades is the only one who didn't break the oath because Bianca and Nico were born in the 1940s and were in the Lotus Casino for all those years, and the oath wasn't made back then. So, you know, Hades was the only one who didn't break it, and I just think that just shows he's the best out of the three, in my opinion, at least.
0: I mean, he like, we always do that. Like, it just reinforces it. I mean, like, he is kind of shitty towards nico later shitty a curse word <laughs> and he's kind of mean towards nico a little bit like a little bit of
1: emotional abusing we have but overall yeah, he,
0: doesn't he tell him that he wishes it was bianca who was alive
1: mm-hmm.
0: anyway that's okay that's really abusive but overall overall hades is still the least bad Fantastic. yeah the least problematic out of the three
1: and that's it um make sure you subscribe to our podcast and you subscribe to well you can't subscribe follow our twitter follow our instagram which are all in the description box for more like updates i guess i don't know followers would
0: be nice (laughs) (laughs) and subscribe subscribe to us on youtube even though we don't have any we don't have any videos up yet We're, we're getting there okay
1: yeah, we're also going to be uploading stuff on our YouTube channel. Not as frequently, but check those out, too.
0: Not as frequently because we're busy people with busy lives. And I, I don't want to spend my weekends editing so many like things. Like five videos. Yeah. Also, also um, I think as of... Well, it's, 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 it's in the other podcast descriptions, too. But um, in this podcast episode description, the creator... Um, who of the of our cover art is Link So go check her out. She's really cool. I find him made it and she's a very good artist.
1: All right, and that's it. We'll see you guys next time. Bye folks. Bye loves.